0: Hammer down and push your car to the limit. no better way to quiet your critics than to go to victory lane. From turbochargers to tight turns, we're covering everything that's happening in the NTT IndyCar series. And Alex Palone is the NTT IndyCar champion. Exclusive interviews with drivers, crew chiefs, and team owners discussing the IndyCar storylines that matter to you. No matter whether it's a street circuit, a road course, a super speedway, or a small oval, it's fantastic, and there's more to come in 2022. This is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick. Hey, everyone.
1: Welcome to Brick by Brick, your weekly stop for the IndyCar Nation and all the news that comes from the NTT IndyCar Series. I'm Jack Arook, joined from Brazil, yet again, my partner, Tony Kanan. TK, before we get to the Texas Expel 375, we all want an update on your performance down there in the Brazilian stock car circuit. Uh, it
2: was a great weekend. Uh, I started inside the top 10, P8. Uh, we had uh, a little bit of a strategy mishap, I would say. We finished P11, my best result of the season, but for the championship, it was good points. We're inside of the top ten, so uh, it's moving along. Obviously, celebrate a P11. Uh, it's not in my uh, in my books, but uh, we had such a, a struggle year last year that uh, we we'll yeah. take it one thing at a time. You know, one thing at a time. So it was a good. It was a good weekend.
1: Well, one week ago we were speculating as to what we would see at Texas. Would it be more of that single file uh, racing? That well, PJ won. Uh, had uh, forced IndyCar into. There were some efforts as we had alerted people, including an outside groove practice instigated by willpower, maybe an extra six inches or so, but we did see with the addition of some downforce, we did see some really side-by-side racing, but to be quite honest with you, TK, all that mattered was those last four or five laps in that race, Scotty McLaughlin dominating. Just somebody forgot to tell his teammate, Joseph Newgarden.
2: I mean, I have to say I need to bite my tongue because we, call, we talk about it. I said, no way. I mean, I, I think I need to learn to be a little bit more flexible with some of my comments because I think IndyCar did a great job with what they got. Obviously, I thought it was going to be a parade. But, you know, and in a way, you watch the race. They had some awesome restarts, and then the race is settled. But, yeah, I mean... The last five laps remind me when you you and I still work together, but at the racetrack and, and the last final laps. And obviously, uh, I would say the back markers played a little bit of a role. Uh, and and uh, Scott kind of didn't uh, didn't read that soon enough. And Newgarden just came and, and with the experience and, and won that race. But what an awesome race. I mean, I don't think we have a, a long enough show <laughs> to talk about. Everything that happened that weekend, you
1: know? Well, and from Scott McLaughlin's standpoint, as you said, maybe the lack of experience. But after the race, in the post race press conference, he was asked, would he do anything differently? Because we all know hindsight is 2020.
3: Looking back at it, if I could think about it and run it through my head, which I already have done a million times, Um, I just, my car was tightening up, um, especially in traffic, and it probably wasn't handling. exactly how i had at the start earlier in the race and and i was sort of maxed out on my tools and i was trying to control the traffic so i didn't catch the traffic too much and then in the end the traffic actually checked up into me and knew it was going to be dramas going three and four but the whole last end, i really struggled with my um turn at three and four and uh i just i guess i wasn't prepared to take the risk on the outside at three four which i probably looking back at it should have but my teammate um obviously joseph chose to and once he was there on the only outside of me i you know i can't do anything so um yeah look i'm gutted and and i'll reevaluate everything um over the next few days and um but it's funny you know like last year i was fist pumping and jumping out of the car finishing second today i'm like oh that sucks but uh you know that's how it is and that's how we're growing and um i'll learn from this and get better and yeah i probably just need to you know expand you know like maybe risk a little bit more when i need to or try try different lines here and there and i'll learn that for the big one coming up in may and and um but one thing today was great you know 600 wins for the captain um anyone's gonna beat me as my teammate it's literally like if anyone else beat me i'd be pissed so um i'm not i'm kind of pissed now but you know what i mean um but 600 wins for the team uh we led a lot of laps we extend the championship lead and and it's not all too bad so um but yeah i'm a race driver i want to win and 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 it definitely hurts You got
1: to take a look at Newgarden, too, and say to yourself, uh, coming close to championships, but also fighting for championships that he ended up finishing second. He wanted to write the Penske ship as soon as possible. And uh, he looked pretty good with that cowboy hat and those two six guns. And after the race, he visited and talked about just what his so-called plan was for those final six laps. It was putting it out on the edge.
4: You know, at the end, I was like, Scott's going to be hard to beat with with traffic. Um, he's been strong um, this whole time. He's strong last year, strong at the test. And, I, you know, I thought if we just had clear running, then we would have a great fight. You know, we probably would have been dicing yeah. back and forth the entire time. But it, it gets so difficult when you have, you know, cars that are about to go lap down and they're fighting each other. You know, and Scott's just trying to manage that. And. It kind of hurts me to be able to close up on him. And then at the very end, I, I literally had got me. We we're talking about it, but I literally conceded like two laps to go. I'm like, man, it's just not going to happen. You know, and I, I literally almost lost it off four because it was pushing so hard to try and get close. So I was like, it's done. You know, he did a good job. He was in position. He's going to win this race. I um, just break it home. You just
3: could have held on for one more lap. <laughs> like one more corner. Yeah. And I
4: could oh, have man. kept that mindset. Yeah, I wish but that did. mindset changed yeah. as soon as I got to, to corner three. Um, and the traffic just presented a great opportunity to, 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 you know, really, I don't want to say the words, but just uh, get, get after it and try and do something to win this race.
1: You know, one of the things we didn't see TK on the NBC television coverage was the captain Roger Penske. And we're going to visit with Joseph a little bit later in the show. Uh, he went into victory lane because it was Team Penske's 600th uh, career victory as a team. And he peeled off six fresh, crisp Benjamins and gave them to Joseph Newgarden. Got to find out when he stops by what he did with the six hundred. His six hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, I mean, what a what a huge achievement as a team, right? Obviously, and also for Joseph to give that because then you look at the status. It was I think as Paul Tracy did the two hundred and then so on and it goes. The list goes down, but uh, yeah, you usually don't see Roger. At the podium not even yeah. when he didn't own the series now that he does obviously he's probably plenty busy entertaining uh some of the guests that he brings sponsors and stuff and then but to come down and actually hand you cash it's huge right and i have heard also that uh, they reward every single penske member with a thousand dollar bonus wow across the board team member nascar indycar whatever IMSA. With a
1: thousand bucks uh, because of that, boy, we're 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 in the wrong business, you know. I know. I mean, we get after we a get good show. You would think we, yeah, that's it. You know, we do a good show, and what do we get? You uh, know, an maybe he, he says good job, if we're lucky.
2: If we're hey, lucky. I
1: want to turn my attention to your good friend, and you've been part. And I said before we went on the air, in the mentoring of old seven-time Jimmy Johnson, who had a little bit of a shall we say a difficult time in the season opener, but man, you put him back on Texas motor speedway where it won seven NASCAR races in his NASCAR career. And he comes home with a career best sixth, your grade for JJ, amazing performance.
2: I mean, you talk about transitioning, right? So you go, all right, you, you you're, you're running, towards the back. Now you need to work your way to run in the mid pack before you run to the front. You give the seventh time a place that he was used to. You give the seventh time a car and, and, and and the patience that he needs to have to race in an oval. He moves right up to the front. And, uh, I know a little bit of an insight. They had a little bit of a telemetry issue. Otherwise Mm. I have to say he would have finished in front of Scott Dixon in fifth. So, uh,
1: well, he did run in front of Scott, and the late going, Scotty yeah. got by him, so that makes sense that there was some sort of because a Because they, they a thought he was going to run out of
2: fuel, and yeah. then they, they kind of like had to slow him down to follow Scott. But again, I mean, amazing. I'm really impressed. I, I called him right after the race. I said, you know what? Uh, I had to give up my seat for you to do a full season. Now you made me proud, to so you, <laughs> you deserve it. You deserve it. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm going to be visiting with Jimmy Johnson uh, in next week's episode of Jack of Wind Tunnel. So much to talk about, including uh, away from the NTT IndyCar series, the uh, Garage 56 program that the, the 24 Hours of Le Mans have for a special one-off operation has been snared for 2023 by Hendrick Motorsports and the NASCAR Next Gen car that's going to be modified. And Jimmy has already come out and said, you know what? Racing at Le Mans is on my bucket list, so he's already thrown his name, name into the hat there. I'll be talking to him about that. But from your perspective, can he take more than just the momentum and parlay that into his Indy 500 effort?
2: 100%. Um, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, he still has a long ways to go on the street and road courses, but that's just the nature of the business. I don't think a year it's enough to go beat the guys they are there for 20, but yes, I mean, don't count him out. You talk about, you know, how many four or five hour races they do a year when he used to race in NASCAR. They do 500 mile races every weekend. So the patience is going to pay off for him and in Indy. And I think Ganassi obviously looks pretty strong, which makes me happy because obviously I'm driving one of their cars. But yeah, I mean, Jack, if you ask me, Reality and I'm not right here. I have no reason to give him props or not. No interest. Right. You know, it, I think he will be a contender to win the 500.
1: After that performance at Texas, I tend to tend to agree. And let's not forget the performance, as you alluded to, Chip Ganassi Racing, including you, one year ago in the Indianapolis 500. You want to talk about at least in qualifying and setting up, uh, pretty spectacular. And in the end. It was close, uh, but uh, just a little shy of scoring for Chip another Indy 500 uh, Borg Warner trophy for his trophy case. All right, some news that when it's one person's misfortune, it becomes somebody else's good fortune. Jack Harvey has a crash the day before the race, has a concussion. He can't drive the high V Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan entry. And, uh, he is sidelined and I couldn't believe this story. Santino Ferrucci who lives in the Dallas Fort worth Metroplex area fields, a call around eight o'clock the night before the race suggesting that, you know, could he come up to the racetrack because they may need him and he gets in the car and goes from the couch and in less than 24 hours finishes with a top 10 finish. This guy's a beast.
2: Yeah, I mean, that he's a talented wits. It's an understatement. I think uh, he had some hiccups in his career that probably hurt him quite a bit. Uh, And then he came here. He did a pretty good job. It's just, I mean, it's a tough time when you have a class of rookies like we do now to find space. I, I, I feel for him because that's the only chances he has right now is if somebody gets hurt like Jack did. And that's when he comes into play does he deserve to be a full-time i think so i think he has the capability i think he um he proved that shame because he did a pretty good job for rejo and then they they had three cars this year and he was not yeah the one so that tells you how brutal and cruel this business is because obviously there are plenty of other things that need to fall together for you to drive the car. It's not just about having talent, but I mean, again, that's not the point. The point was coming in without a single lap. They gave him 15 minutes, which they call a, a rookie or a driver adaptation uh, and, and, and finishing the top 10. It's um, it's, it's amazing.
1: Well, and I know you have a certain modicum of a closeness with Ferrucci, having been co-host of a podcast yourself and, provided him with some of that mentoring always found that astonishing because of the hair that he has and the hair that we don't uh coming up next it's time for us to chat with the guy that well he didn't lead a lot of laps his teammate did but when it came down to traffic he used it correctly hung it all out and the next thing you know as he's known the angel assassin joseph newgarden scores the victory for team penske their 600th at the XPEL 375 at texas speedway he will be joining us
0: next quick pit stop and then we're back on the track this, this is serious xm's brick by brick From the green flag to the checkered flag, we're discussing the hottest topics from the NTT IndyCar series. This is Sirius XM's Brick Brick by Brick. Here comes Joseph Newgarden on my side. Newgarden on the top one. It's going to be a drag race. Newgarden has done it. Newgarden wins on the final lap. You are the man. How about that? Joseph Newgarden and the PPG Chevy wins in Texas. Let's go, good team. After Scott McLaughlin led 186 of the 248, there's only one lap that counts, and Newgarden did it.
1: Welcome back to Brick by Brick. Tony Kanan, Jack Aroot, and we are joined by Team Penske's winner of the 600th Team Penske victory this past weekend. Victorious in the Xpel 375 with some late-race daring moves. We're talking about Joseph Newgarden. First of all, Joseph, congratulations on the victory, but let's cut right to the chase, shall we? What'd you do with those six crisp Benjamins?
4: You know what? I didn't get to, I didn't get to put them to use. I was going to take everybody to In-N-Out Burger uh, right across the street from the track, and by the time I got done with media, everyone was gone. So, <laughs> you know, it's not my fault that I didn't buy burgers for everybody. They left, okay? They didn't wait for me, so I don't feel bad. I'm now, I got a new plan. I think what I'm going to do, I, I never thought about doing this, but I might get every $100 bill signed by Roger Penske and frame it. I think, that, I think that's what I'm going to do because I just want to keep it.
2: And you know, you're not, it's not going to devalue anyway. You can always, if you ever need it, you might even be able to sell it for more.
4: Oh, yeah. Could you imagine? That would be where I think this, that would massively increase the price of that $600. A hundred percent. Made. First of well, all, it's the hedge
1: against inflation, isn't it? <laughs>
4: right? <There you> go.
2: <laughs> Congrats. I think, uh, I mean, watching that race, I, I have to say, uh, I had to bit my tongue because I thought it was going to be another parade. Obviously IndyCar did a good job. You guys obviously were driving. We would call second lane. It was a lane and a half. Right. But my point to you is obviously you look extremely surprised right in victory circle because it's like okay you're there obviously you all you you had a chance but you're like maybe the kid's gonna move up a bit take my air my point is and he even admitted i mean he was fine at first and then the next day he tweeted in hindsight i should have moved what were your thoughts there because i know i mean obviously it's hard for me to do this show because i i hate to put myself oh i was doing this i was doing that that's not my point I knew and we all know that's what you're we going to try because what you had to lose is the last lap. But did you expect him not to move?
4: You know, I, I didn't think he would move, but I'm probably preying on him being a, a you know, a young indie car driver still. He doesn't have, <laughs> he doesn't have a ton of time in these environments. So there's, there's certain things that you could expose, right? As you know, Tony. And I, I didn't even really think about that. I think just instinctually looking at him, he was really starting to struggle, like really struggling. He had both things going on. He was pushing in three, four, like tremendously. And he kept lifting to stay low because of it. And then in off of two, he was crazy loose. So it looked like he didn't want to touch anything. I've been in that position. You know how it is, Tony. Like when you get both things going really bad, you don't want to touch anything. And you're just trying to survive. And I, I could see him in survival mode. So I was like, man, if I get a run and I put it on the outside, I don't think he'll move because I don't think he wants to move. Um, and so that's kind of instinctually what happened at the very end, but I didn't expect it. You know, I, I just, I had mentally succumbed to finishing second. I was like, we're going to finish second. I was pissed. I was like this lap traffic's in the way. Like I can't get a run on him because he's getting a toe off of all these people. Um, and I, so I was really frustrated. And then the opportunity just came like, last minute it was like oh there's an opportunity there's an opportunity and then i just instinctually went for it i was like if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out and so um yeah i was very surprised i just did not expect it on that on that moment is that fair to say that if that traffic
2: hadn't been there you were gonna say i ran out of laps because as the way he was struggling you're gonna pass him eventually but it wasn't enough laps for you to do so
4: Did, did the traffic help The traffic was helping him up to that point with me not running up, you know. And it's funny when I look back at it now. I said, I I think I could have tried that earlier. Actually, I I mean, there was enough grip up there. It wasn't really, you know. It's funny when you do the move. (laughs) It's it's so funny how you think about this. I did the move, and I'm I'm like, oh, I can't wait to watch that. I was up in the fence. I was in the (laughs) fence, and and you look back, and you're like. I'm not even in the second lane. No, 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 <laughs> the second lane. <laughs> it's like in, in your mind, it looked way cooler. Yeah. Um, and I watched it. I'm like, that wasn't that cool. Like I could have done that 40 laps ago. Um, so I. that's my regret is like if I, if it was to happen again and the traffic was in the way and he wasn't struggling as much, I should I should have tried running up there way sooner because I could have gotten a better run on it. But I, I think if there if there was no traffic and it was just him and me, we probably would have passed back and forth thirty times to finish race. that race. It was very easy to do it with one car, but once you had a train of cars, you couldn't you couldn't really go anywhere.
1: You know, I find it interesting that you point out that you <laughs> said to yourself in the cockpit, I-, "I gotta watch this because it has to be the spectacular move of the race," and then when you do, you go, "Holy cow!" James Hinchcliffe, who we're going to visit with a little bit later in the show, Joseph, actually mentioned it several times in his commentary, the fact that when you're in the cockpit at a place like Texas, even preceding this race, when let's face it, there was a lot of single file racing. That wasn't the feeling that you drivers had when you were going nose to tail because of the dirty air, because of the weight, because of so many different aspects. So this time around. Was it more of a handful, less of a handful? You know, how much do you really think besides that one where you thought you were a superhero, you were Batman. And then it turns out when you watched on TV, you were only Robin, (laughs) how many times did you really have to hang it out?
4: Oh, I think, I think it was more difficult this year from a, from a driving standpoint, you know, it's funny. Yeah. We had a lot more downforce on the cars than years past. And so that helped the racing product, but there was more tire wear than last year Hmm. and I, So you could really feel the track at age just in another year. And you were seeing people go off a lot, even with more downforce. So I I felt we were, we had more of a handful once you got 20, 30 laps into a stint and you were really struggling. The wind was also very different. We had a headwind um, going into turn one and people were really struggling with that middle of one, two, they were getting super loose. Uh, So they were very hard to drive, but you know, I, I thought the race was a great tick forward. I mean, it really was just it just even opening up half a lane, you know, on restarts um, and even certain moments of race, you look at like the way Jimmy was driving in the race. It was a lot more exciting. You know, there's still a lot of single file and we need a true second lane opened up to make that back to what it was at Texas. Maybe not in the old glory days where it was like three wide, super awesome. But I think that that second lane being truly open would help. And I got to say, I think the extra practice session was, it was good. It was a good idea that they made they you know, and Will has been harping about this, but he was like, put drivers out there and force them to run the second lane. It actually helped. The only thing that they could have done to make it better was just force everyone to do it. Because you you force everyone, you get more rubber up there. I actually think it would have come in even better. So it was not everybody that did. No, they only had they only had seven cars that went out there for that extra session. And it just, you know, it's not enough. You need to triple no. that number.
1: I thought the greatest moment was when. Felix wins the poll and then gets told by his owners, oh, by the way, we have volunteered you to be one of the seven to go out there and try to work in that outside group. You, on the other hand, I heard your interview and you're going, hey, good luck, Will. I'll be watching. But you were like the guy in the, you know, in the schoolyard when the bully comes up and you push your buddy in front of you to say, here, you take care of it.
4: Well, I mean, I did feel that way. I wish <laughs> I, I was petitioning for IndyCar to force this, though. I cause here's the problem. You know, it's an unnecessary risk to take without oh, yeah. knowing. If you don't know what's going to happen, it's just an unnecessary risk. But if you, everyone gets forced to do it, then yeah, you go do it, and it's going to be the same for everybody. If you just don't try and wreck your car. Um, but the, it, you watch the people that went and did it. They they were the first people to. You know try and utilize that during the race so it actually ended up helping them more than anything because it just gave them more experience
2: so joseph obviously uh you don't plan those things you race for to me the best team uh, on earth with, with the best team owner and manager and whatever the most successful guy i've ever met you have tough teammates because the team it's tough all across then all of a sudden you go and and, and your score is 600 win right so and then you go in my opinion you're in a different class inside the penske organization because they're all the drivers they are there they all have success they all win they all eventually get you know a win for roger but did it mean it was that more special to you like obviously now i saw some stats today like they put all the names that did the 100 the 200 and then now you got the 600, which I think it will take a while to get another 100. So until then, you're the guy that did it. Did, did, did,
4: how does it feel? You know, in the beginning, I thought it was, without doing it, I didn't think it was as special. You know, let, so let me tell you this. This is what's fascinating to me. We've accelerated in the last five years. When I joined the team in 2017, they were just trying to crack the 400 win threshold. And that's five years ago. And so, you know, the team, the team is 55 years old and all of a sudden they've just started accelerating their performance. Uh, You know, obviously we have more cars and more series. That is what helps mostly, but it's unbelievable when you look at it. And now that I've actually done it, I realize how special it is. And I think that's how a lot of these things work. You know, you end up winning the Indy 500. It's not that you didn't know how special it was before, but you can't truly feel the magnitude of it until you do it. That's you never kind of, will. You never will if you don't win. Yeah, you, you just don't know. You don't know what that's like. Um, and I still don't. I don't know what it's like. And, you will. You will. <laughs> I hope so one day. But but yeah, for 600, I, I now having done it, and you know, to see the reaction and all that, it's, it's really cool to be a part of the team. And to your point, Tony, you know, to, you know, look at everybody that's driven here and had the opportunity to drive for Roger. It, it felt really special. It still does. So it was it was such a cool moment.
1: You know, when you say team, uh, it's not just uh, your fellow drivers there on the IndyCar side, but you're all housed on the same campus there in North Carolina, along with Logano and the rest of the knuckleheads on that side, and the assortment of of disciplines that Roger has put his toe in the water, some of them forthcoming, Uh, personally, some of the social media gags that you all engage in. One that comes to mind is when every Team Penske driver from Sindrick to Newgarden to Logano engaged in dodgeball. I mean, who comes up with some of this craziness?
4: Uh, typically, that's uh, Jeremy Troiano, who's like our head of comms at the team. So they did these uh-huh. Penske games, right? And uh, it, it's gone away. I don't know why we got rid of it. It was actually really good. Um, <laughs> What was fun was it was like one of the few times you got together with everybody on the team and we'd spend a whole day filming these, you know, silly videos together. And it was, it was fun because you got to catch up with all the other drivers. You catch up with the, you know, the cup guys, uh, you catch up with the sports car people. And, you know, it was, it was fun for everybody because you don't get that opportunity to dream to, to bring drivers from multiple disciplines, you know, together. Um, but yeah, we have fun with that. And I, you know, now that you bring it up, I'm going to, I'm going to mention that. do why did we get rid of that? We need to bring that back. Yeah.
1: That and the Google, I love that the Google questions.
0: Yeah, they do. It's always been
1: fun. Yeah, they do. All right, you're you know you made the decision to move back home, go uh, back to your roots in Nashville, Tennessee. So you're a little bit removed from the day to day. So how has that made you better in the cockpit of the car?
4: Well, I don't think it's made a big difference is, you know, the way I look at it. And that's what I weighed up in doing it. You know, I've always mm-hmm. lived close to the team. I, I think as, as a rookie and when you're new, it's so critical to be close to, you know, the organization and make sure that they have access to you and vice versa. And so ever since 2012, when I started, I've always lived super close to the race team. And it was no different in 2017. When I joined Team Penske, I moved to North Carolina immediately and I got embedded into, you know, the process and the people. And you know, about three years in, I thought, I, you know, I think I can, I can do this from Nashville. And it was the first time I've tried to live, you know, remotely from the team. And I, we travel so much now. I travel an insane amount for for the team that I thought, well, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, it's not like I'm not going to be here as much. I'm going to travel here all the time. And it's worked out really well. You know, Nashville has been a better home for, for me and Ashley, and we have family that's close and I'm really still, you know, an hour plane flying away from Charlotte. And I don't think it's negatively impacted my performance in the car. And that, that's the one thing I thought about. I said, you know, if this is going to impact my program, then I don't want to do it. But I had a lot of conversations with everyone on the team, you know, specifically like Tim Sindrick and, you know, you know, I, everyone that's intimately involved in my program. And we all decided that, you know, it was something that was going to be okay. And, and so far it's, you know, it's been great. There's been no hiccups to anything. Well, oh, and then I, I don't disagree. I think, you know, like like you said, I mean, we we travel so much.
2: And now even with technology, you can do your engineering calls after the race uh, through whatever platform you use and you can still see each other. So it, it did that, it was any resistance from the team when you said that at all? Like, you know, like you said, you talked to Sindrik. Obviously, people are never going to tell you, oh, you have to be here. But I mean, I got told that I had to leave there. And then and, and I actually mm-hmm. did in Ohio for a couple of years, you know, but that, those were back in the, like you said, I think it's more important in the beginning of your career than actually when you establish, you win a championship, you're trying to, you know, your priorities change, you get married, you have family, you're probably gonna have to have kids and, and you try to look for something that is more permanent. So, but was there any any resistance of, at all?
4: Uh, I'm surprised there was no resistance. I, I don't know, I guess I am and I'm not, you know, our t- every team's different, to your point, and everyone's going to react differently. Elio had been doing it at Team Penske for Forever. 20 years. 20 years. Yeah. I mean, he, he yeah. lived in Miami, and he would come up to, you know, he'd come up when he needed to come up. So and, did Jill. Both uh, yeah, of them so, okay. raised together. They, they never lived there. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, now that I look back on it, and I'm like, well, why didn't I have any resistance? I'm like, well, that's probably why. You know, they, they were used to this. But I, I made sure to have – I think what they respected was I put a lot of time into the decision. It wasn't, Hey, I'm going to do this just as an FYI. It was, Hey, this is something I'm thinking about, you know, here's the pros and cons in my opinion. Um, You know, I believe that it's not going to impact me because of X, Y, and Z. Um, And I want to talk about it. And, you know, when I brought that up, it wasn't really a long conversation. It didn't take a lot of time to, you know, come to a decision, but there wasn't a lot of resistance. And I think they, they felt, you know, my reasoning, for for wanting to do it and how I felt that it was going to work out for the future. They, they agreed with it. And so, yes, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of resistance and so far that's proved true. You know, that everything we felt like was going to happen because of it is it's been just fine.
1: Joseph, it's a real pleasure, especially to visit with you with a smile on your face after besting the field uh, there in the expel three seventy five. looking forward to seeing uh, some social media posting Those matted and framed and signed six $100 bills just make damn sure that they don't show up somewhere
4: on eBay. No chance. I'll keep you guys updated. All right, Uh, that's
1: Joseph Newgarden. We are going to continue with more from the world of IndyCar after this message when we bring in the mayor of Hinchtown to weigh in on the NTT IndyCar series. James Hinchcliffe is next.
0: Don't go anywhere. Quick pit stop, and then we're back on the track. This, this is Sirius XM's Brick by Brick.
1: Hi, it's Jack Aroot. I welcome you to embrace the power and speed of the NTT IndyCar Series here on Sirius XM. Each week at 7 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Audio Channel 85, myself and former Indy 500 champion Tony Kanan get you caught up with all the latest news and notes on Brick by Brick. Also, hear every race all season long on SiriusXM Nation Channel 160. And, as always, on the SiriusXM app, free for most subscribers.
0: This is SiriusXM's Brick by Brick.
1: Well, we continue here on a little Wednesday night get-together known as Brick by Brick. Joining us now, TK... He's moved into the booth. The mayor of Hinchtown, James Hinchcliffe, joins us now. Hinch, that was a hell of a race in Texas, man. What were your thoughts?
5: Well, first time we've been able to say that for a few years, Jack. I mean, I, I got to say I was uh, I was relieved. I was pleasantly surprised. You know, I know that a lot went into trying to make it better from IndyCar standpoint in terms of mandating, you know, extra downport downforce pieces. Um the uh the adjustment of date you know i think honestly one of the bigger factors was the the track conditions just having way cooler track conditions um track temps ambient temps that that assists in a huge way and you know we tried the second lane practice i don't know if it did anything i'm even the
1: second lane practice is really inappropriate we should call it the power practice
5: Right. Yes, the power. Yeah, practice. because it was
1: instigated by Will. He's campaigned for longer than most politicians do for office. So
5: you're not you're not wrong. And and he even <laughs> he admitted at the end. I'm not sure if it if it specifically did much, but I think the combination of the extra downforce, the track conditions, and the fact that you know the the resin that they use last time NASCAR was there is different than the PJ one traction compound, and that seems to be a little. A little less, you know, uh, detrimental to the track surface. So it doesn't matter why. We could we could talk about that later. What matters is that there was a hell of a race, and it was it was a lot of fun to watch.
2: Well, James, obviously, uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a little weird for me to interview you. <laughs> uh, you know, you're so good at it. I think uh, you know. Again, I keep saying, I tell everybody that. I, I said that for years. I don't think you belong in the booth, but. That's what you've got now. Um, but in the beginning of the year, you made that shirt that actually I bought and I wear all the time since I'm not retired. So I want to just, I don't want to ask you a question about the race. I want to use that for you to say, you know, somebody asked me, do you, th- do you still think he has the desire to drive? So I'm, I'm going to let you answer that. And if for anybody that is listening, I think you belong back in the car, but that's my opinion. So it, is the desire still there are you really retired what are you doing
5: <laughs> i am i am not retired from racing no um you know i i, I made a, a contest decision to step back from full-time indycar competition certainly that does not throw away the opportunities of one-off indycar races in the future but more importantly you know i really see my career transitioning into into something else you know i've uh, the, the long story short is I actually had a, an IMSA program lined up for this year that I was going to do alongside my duties, you know, with NBC and the IndyCar races. Racing politics, Tony, I know it's going to it's going to floor you, but there are politics and <laughs> racing and uh, and sometimes really? things are beyond your control. So unfortunately, that deal sort of uh, fell apart at the last minute. And, and given the timing, there was there's really no time left to put something else full time together. So. I've accepted that 2022 is going to be a bit of a gap year, you know, and and I'm honestly enjoying uh, having less responsibility in that sense. But the the vacation will end at some point, you know. The desire to drive is still there. Uh, the desire to compete is still there. So, you know, for me, it's just uh, it might be a couple of little fun one-off things throughout this year. Like I said, a bit light on the driving side, but the plan is to be back in something for 2023. And, and I, want just, to I want to. Let me add it real quick, because just for people to understand, we work out at the
2: same gym, and he has not changed his routine. So yeah. he's ready.
1: <laughs> well, I, I did want to pursue that for just a second, and we'll get back. We'll circle back to your 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 thoughts about 2022 uh, with what we've seen so far. But whether it was my good friend Dick Vermeil who stepped away from the field on football and went into the booth and then went back. Uh, to the nfl or even a lot of the drivers that you know fill in over on the nascar side on a lot of the fox xfinity telecasts they all come away and say it gives them a different perspective and it allows them to change the way they approach their racecraft when they get back in the car are you feeling and sensing the same thing james
5: yeah you know it's interesting jack i think that's a i think it's a great point and i think it's very valid you know i some people know not many people know i had this weird and awesome opportunity when i was doing the atlantic series yeah back in the mid-2000s to actually join on the international broadcasts with jeremy shaw and that was kind of my first foray into uh into this side of the sport And, and I'll never forget, that was my biggest takeaway was sitting there and really watching the races. I mean, obviously I'd watched them all on TV, but when you're in the booth, you're living it, you've got timing and Mm -hmm. scoring, you know, a lot of things that don't necessarily make the broadcast. What I, what I learned in that booth was how races are won. I know who won them, but I was really understanding how that driver put themselves in that position to win that race. And I took that knowledge and that experience with me when I moved into IndyCar and obviously then, yes, I spent, you know, uh, uh, over a decade doing the driving bit and, and out of the booth and now being back in, yeah, it is interesting kind of when you are watching the whole thing happen in real time, you have, do you do get such a better appreciation for the, the ebb and flow of the race, the dynamic of it all, and how ultimately the driver that wins put themselves in that position.
2: James, I know it's early in the season, but obviously you were a Rookie of the Year in 2011 when you joined. Uh, If you had to pick one guy right now, I know it's early. It's only been two races, but who would be your rookie that impressed you? I'm not asking who's going to win it. I mean, it's not about winning the Rookie of the Year because we know people are in different teams, better teams, so on. But who impressed you the most so far?
5: That's a, that's a tough one. Honestly, I think um, it, it's such an experienced and, and talented rookie class, certainly. But I think, honestly, I think the fact that Christian Lingard comes with the sort of experience that he's had over in Europe, he's, you know, a little older than, uh, than some of the other guys. He has the disadvantage of having to learn all of these racetracks, having to learn oval racing where the Devlin Francesco's and the Kyle Kirkwood's and, and David Malukas have a little bit more of an edge in that sense. I think the education and, you know, the development that you see sometimes over in Europe is, is quite impressive. And you just look at what he did at the GP last year, you know, he shows up to his first race and qualified fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the highest finishing rookie in St. Pete. He was he was honestly he was a very strong car in the race in Texas till till Mm -hmm. an issue late in the race. Um, and you know, we we've talked a lot about Kyle Kirkwood coming into it with his record in the road to Indy. We've talked about, you know, Devlin being with a strong team and having great teammates. But I I I think that Christian's a bit of a sleeper. I think he could be the one, you know, at the end of the day, and and he's certainly and he's they've all impressed me at different points so far for different reasons. But overall, I I think Christian is uh, is a little bit ahead right now.
1: Talking to NBC sports analyst and IndyCar driver, James Hinchcliffe, <laughs> the mayor of town Hinch, uh, I know it's early in the season, and let's move from the rookies. Uh, in terms of team momentum, um, is there one that stands out? I mean, you've got to look at Team Penske in these first two outings and say they got the lightning back in the bottle that was absent for most of last season. What say you?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's um, there's, there's, a, there's a really interesting sort of split. You know, you've got – on one end, the momentum is with Team Penske in a huge way, but also Chip Ganassi Racing has had a very strong start mm-hmm. to the season. Uh, you know, Alex Pelot's results in in St. Pete was not without its challenges, and a very impressive podium finish there for him. Marcus Erickson, had he not had his issues in uh, in the pits in St. Pete and that penalty, I think that would have been a top five car. He was really he was on a great start to that race, and obviously ended up in the podium in Texas. Um, the, they were they were third fourth, fifth, fifth, six, seven, something like that in Texas. They, you know, they, they were all sort of up there. Um, uh, the, the, the other three. So I I think Penske and Chip Ganassi definitely have had a, an incredible start to the season. The momentum is going their way. The juxtaposition against both Andretti Autosport and the McLaren team is wild. Um, neither organization had a particularly strong St. Pete uh, both had disastrous weekends in Texas yeah. and you know, I, I know it's super early in the season, but to have back-to-back results like that for both those teams, at some point, it's tough to dig yourself out of that kind of hole. So, you know, both of those organizations massively on the back foot, uh, but there's, there's no doubt that, that team Penske is, is full song right now.
1: You had boots on the ground in Texas and, and maybe, or you can address this or not, but a lot of conversation about what unfolded with team McLaren uh, before the Texas outing, and then Paddle Award declaring himself as a restricted free agent. We know all the stories. You guys did a hell of a job reporting it. What was your sense? Is this much ado about nothing, or is there a little friction uh, prompted by disappointment on the part of Paddle Award?
5: It's it's tough to know, right? It's it's tough to know yeah. what's happening inside a driver's mind. Um, you know, I, I know that certainly. Pato really relished his his F1 tests uh, that he got to do earlier, um, and certainly is looking for more of that. Then all of a sudden, Hurd has always kind of been involved in the F1 conversation from the Andretti standpoint, and you know potentially the Sauber deal that was that was in the works. To have his name mentioned now with the McLaren program may have may have stung a little bit for Pato. Um, you know that said they haven't said that Plato's not part of that program for all we know he's going to get a very similar deal and this might be a, a shootout for a seat down the road but it was interesting the timing was interesting that you know colton's announcement comes out and 48 hours later plato says <laughs> well i'm not actually married to this place which seemed like a, an interesting move um but i mean yeah it's it's i think i think you know there was an article on racer about how the IndyCar silly season doesn't normally start until mid-Ohio in August, and here we are <laughs> before the second race of the season, and, and as rumors are already flying around. There's a lot of potential free agents that could have some very big openings to fill here.
2: Yeah, but Hinch, don't you think, I mean, I, I you know it, it's funny when we are, you know, I, I give the insights to Jack all the time. We kind of know more than we should to do a radio show, to be honest, or be on TV, Fair. which you know, there
4: are things that you're like, I, I can't you say it. I would love to tongue. say it, yeah. but we can't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know,
2: but, like, to me, that, that whole thing, it started it already wrong. Like, second race of the year, you're really saying that. I mean, I know that's not the way you're going to push your team to be better, right? But at the same time, I see his point, because I, I hate to compare things like, oh, because when I was racing, because then it looks like you never let it go, but people had the same impression when I was in Andretti for the longest time, you know, and, 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 and they're like, "Wow, well, we're not even going to contact the kid because he's, he, he belongs there. And then I think that, that was his intention. I don't think he was trying to hurt the team. I don't think he was trying to, you know, say, well, you know, the formula, One." I think he was just saying, guys, I'll be available. I'm not saying I'm going anywhere, but don't get the idea that I'm, I have a
5: multi-year deal here. That That's the way yeah. I took it. For sure. But you got to look at it again. You know this, Tony, you've, you've been there, you've lived it. Um, there are, if you're pot of a ward and you're genuinely looking at your options, not saying that you're looking to leave, but you're looking, what's out there. You're looking at one of three places. That's it. And you can make three phone calls and and, and let those people know that you are allowed to talk without making a public spectacle of it. Race teams and and personnel on race teams—they're very sensitive people. They're, they're delicate flowers, and and you are a family. And so I think I think while his intention might have been what you said, just that hey, I, I've been the, I've been aligned with this team very seriously in multiple series now, et cetera, et cetera. But I do have the ability to talk to others. I'm not sure he accomplished it in the right way because, right. like you said, or like like what I was trying to make these teams can take that the wrong way. And that's not the best way to motivate a group. Good point. You know, it's like, good well, point. Hey, th- th- it could go two ways. It's like, Hey, we might lose Plata. We got to work harder. Or it's, well, Hey, this guy's already trying to throw us under the bus saying we're not good enough. Then like, why should we work hard for him? So it's, but it's, the it's, other a, it's teams, a very delicate
2: balance. But the other teams also are watching what he did. is says, my, I don't want, I don't want this guy in my team because that's the way he's acting, you know, for sure. So, yeah, for sure. Good point.
1: Delicate flowers being connected to describe IndyCar car drivers i'm gonna to have to really work hard to get my arms around that one uh your assessment uh tk and i talked about it before you joined us jimmy johnson did i think on a one to ten he did a 40 at texas what do you think
5: <laughs> yeah i mean it's uh it's funny, you know, we, we all had these expectations or, or maybe hopes, I don't know what the, what the right word is for Jimmy going to Texas, but at the end of the day, man, it's still a very different car at the same track. You know, it's a very different way of going racing, um, but Jimmy just showing his, you know, his expertise, his experience, um, what, I love, what I loved about it, and, you know, there's some of the younger generation of driver that I hope we're paying attention, and I pointed this out to them, Races like Texas, races like Indianapolis, the, I remember being a rookie, and I remember going to, to TK and Dario and Justin Wilson and Scott Dixon and every single one of these guys, they said, I've got one piece of advice, and it's one word, patience. Yeah. And what what I saw out of Jimmy was what you see out of Scott every time he goes to a place like that without a race-winning car. Like, Scott's always going to be in the top five because he's patient, he picks his time, he pushes when he has to, he backs off when he should. And Jimmy, Jimmy's got a career of running 500 mile races. You know, Montoya made this point when he came back after his NASCAR stand. He's like, you guys do two a year. At that point, we were, I think we were doing maybe three a year. Now we do one a year, but he's like "In NASCAR, you do 2,500 mile races a year. We just know how these races go. So Jimmy was methodical he didn't force the issue if it didn't need to be forced but when it came to it he had to laps in the car to be comfortable in the car to make those passes late and put himself in a position to be fighting for a top 5 so that was just such a textbook thought out calculated patient drive and rewarded with his best result
1: listen uh, we could go for hours you know just drilling down into your knowledge combining you with tk is like having an Encyclopedia Britannica at your fingertips. We appreciate it. We look forward to your continued work with NBC, but more so uh, returning to the cockpit. And I don't care about it. Uh, I don't care about any of this other crap. Back in an IndyCar and sooner rather than (laughs) later, okay?
5: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Work in progress.
1: (laughs) All right. That puts a lid on this week's show. Before we run out of time, my thanks to our guest, James Hinchcliffe, that we just spoke to. And uh, Team Penske's Joseph Newgarden. Quick reminder, if you want more motorsports conversation and more IndyCar interviews, why don't you subscribe to my podcast series, Jack Roots Wind Tunnel. The newest subscribers, James Hinchcliffe and Tony Kanaan. You can get it wherever you download your favorite podcast. The executive producer for Brick by Brick is Marissa Reyes. Our producer is, as TK calls him, Nathan, better Nathan. known as Nate Lee. For my partner, Tony Kanaan, I'm Jack Arute, reminding you to join us next week when we will gather for yet another edition of Brick by Brick.